Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. A teacher affects eternity. She can never tell where her influence stops. Henry Adams. We made it, you know, spoiler alert, but as we're approaching the summit, all of the people on the summit, there was a ton of adults up there clapping for these kids. And these kids were like, I'm on top of the world. Like I'm getting goosebumps right now. They were like, I, this is the best moment I've ever had in my life. Look at it. I'm look at all these mountains I can see around me. I want to do this forever. Like I created that, you know, like I helped foster this really beautiful moment for them that I mean, all of these kids were so cool and they could totally go on to climb Mount Everest someday. I mean, I hope that's what guiding is about for me is bringing out those moments, um, even though there's a lot of suffer along the way and potentially scary things. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Muir Pod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail, dirtbags and hiker trash. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right, let's get to this week's guest, who is a repeat customer on the podcast. 
We lined up her first interview based on a recommendation from Jeff Garmeyer, and we weren't disappointed. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the John Freaking Mirror Pod, Cameron Peterson. How's it going, Cameron? I'm doing well. How about yourself? It's so good to be here. Fantastic. And, you know, just looking at your background, if you're not watching us on YouTube, you're missing out. But just looking at your background, I would think that you're on top of a mountain somewhere as the as the sun is setting, sitting in your tent. Yes, this uh, was a photo I took on the halfway up a mountain, actually, uh, as the sun was setting, but it's probably my favorite background to use now. I was convinced you were calling in from the trail. You know, I talked to uh, Jason Cook the other day from the trail. He's he's on a 16,000 mile hike and he oh is the second time that I've talked to him and both times have been from the trail. And he was definitely outside um, when he was talking to me just a couple of nights ago. So I thought, oh, wow, we're doing we're doing two interviews from the trail in a single week. This is going to be fantastic. Yeah, that's awesome. To be honest, if I could get this good of service up there, I would love to take phone calls from the top of a mountain, but uh, might be a little windy. All right. Now, hey, remind us of your trail name. I know you have a trail name. Remind us of the trail name and how you got it. Yep. My trail name is Pinecone. I think last time I talked a little bit about, you know, what does it take to earn a trail name? But Pinecone is definitely stuck, um, especially after some recent adventures. But I got it basically because every time that I'm hiking, um, I would see pine cones on the trail. So for those of you who don't know, I live in the Pacific Northwest. Pine cones are very popular and just very common amongst the trails. And every time I see a pine cone, I'm that person who says, ooh, a pine cone, ooh, a pine cone. Wow, look at how big that pine cone is. I am just enthralled by pine cones. So uh, yeah, that's really how I got the name. And somebody started calling me that. They'd floated around some other names, but that's the one that stuck. And then it's really just kept on going. Now I'm intrigued. What are some of the names you turned down? Oh, there was one. So I was, if you're familiar with the game Farkle or some people call it 10,000, um, I was on a trail once and we had come across some PCT hikers and they were playing this dice game. It's a dice game. And I just kept, I can't remember actually if I was doing terribly or if I was doing really well, but they kept calling me hot hands and they were like, maybe you're hot hands. Who knows? You know, they were trying to kind of find a name for me, but uh, so that was thrown around, but pinecone really stuck. Okay. I, I like pike pinecone better than hot hands. Yes. And just like last time, I'll show it again. I do also have a pinecone tattoo on my forearm. So it just kind of was fitting. Did you, did you have the pinecone tattoo before the trail name or after the trail name? Um, before. So okay. I didn't get it because of trail name. I got it after. Okay. And, and what's on your head? Oh, uh, just a hat. Yep. Well, I understand it's a hat. What's on the front of the hat? Um, so this is a brand called Polar, and I think it's some form of flowers or something. Okay. But it was just, right. yeah, a hat I picked up on sale. I have a bad hat habit. I think oftentimes if you're a hiker, you probably have a bad hat habit. Of finding I thought hats. you maybe you picked up a sponsor and you're you were repping them here on the podcast. <laughs> no, I wish. Um, I am not wearing any of the brands that I rep on this podcast, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> Okay. Now I can't wait to get to what you've been up to since the last time we talked. We've got a couple of segments to go through before we mm -hmm. get there. You ready for this? I'm ready. Okay. The must bring gear review. Do you know who that is? Any guesses uh, as to who that might be? No, but it sounds so familiar. It's on the tip of my tongue. I don't know. Who is it? It's my daughter. 
oh, that's amazing. <laughs> that's that really my funny. daughter, half calf, working on her English accent. Um, it, I think it, as we go through and she introduces other segments of the show, you'll see that the the accent, depending on your your perspective, gets either better or worse. So we'll, we'll I love just... that. You know, it's funny because I've listened to other podcasts and you talk about half calf a lot, and I'm like, what a cool trail name. I think that's a cool trail name. Do you know how she got half calf? No, tell me. I dragged her out on the trail, just a, a local trail, just a kind mm-hmm. of a, a six mile out and back. The, it, the first three miles are straight up. And um, it was, I think, the last day of school of ninth grade for her. And mm-hmm. we're, I said, let's go for a hike. And she's not really a hiker. And so we're, we're out there, we're hiking. And she's pulling up the rear, of course. And she, so she spent a lot of time looking at my calves. And she's like, oh, my gosh, you know, you, you know they should call you Calf Master. And I said, well, if I'm, I'm calf master, what would you be? And she said, oh, probably half calf. So that's, that's where that came from. I love that. I was thinking more of half calf as in half caffeine, um, but half calf, got it. Half calf. Yep. Cool. All right. Hey, as half calf introduced, uh, we are at the, uh, the segment where we do the must bring gear review sponsored by the ultralight backpacking gear company, six moon designs. And I think you know how it works, but let me just introduce it for our, our listeners who may be new. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So Pinecone, what is your must-bring piece of gear out there? Yep. And uh, this has changed a little bit since I've been guiding so much, but um, there is a bag. It's called a Knock bag or Knock. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it. It's kind of this silicone bag that is a hundred times better than the Sawyer squeeze bags that they come with. That thing has saved my life so many times and I use it every time I go backpacking. So that for sure. Is it a, a water storage bag? Yeah, basically, but right. it um, opens on both sides at the mouth. So if you're, you know, at a very tiny trickle stream or if you're at a lake, it opens on the bottom so you can scoop water instead or snow in some cases that you need to melt. So that thing has definitely come in handy quite a few times. You mentioned it being handy for a, a trickle stream. That reminded me of a recent episode, maybe not so recent. It was last summer. It was summer of 21 out on the John Muir Trail. And we were on our way up to Forrester. And okay. uh, we camped pretty pretty high up. I think we were maybe a mile short of the back of, of the the typical camp where you would you would, you know, there's a, a big stream coming down. But we picked this spot because it was pretty cool and we were exhausted, didn't want to go the extra mile. And there was a little, a little stream, I mean, trickle. And I'm thinking, okay, we can probably make this work. And I tried with my bag for a good 45 minutes to find a way. I was adjusting rocks to make the water jump off it somehow. And no, no dice, no dice. It was yeah. just nothing but mud and it just not, not a whole lot of fun. So one of the guys I was hiking with, we, we picked up our, 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 uh, I had, I had a bucket, like a, a, a two liter bucket maybe. And then, uh, of course, all of our other water, water bags. And he and I did the extra mile up to the backpacker camp and, uh, got the water from the stream, filled up everything. I'm carrying the bucket. So I'm carrying the bucket back and another mile going down, being very careful not to trip on a rock or anything. I want to make sure I bring back as much water as possible. And I, after a laborious trek back uh, to camp, I put it down and 
no sooner do I put it down than one of the guys who did not go with us uh, proceeds to trip over it. And of course, the water just goes everywhere. And no, we lose out on worst. that water. That's not frustrating at all. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's frustrating. Ugh. And the trickle stream also very frustrating, yeah. especially when you're like, I know there's water there and I can drink you. Just get in this bag. Right. Yeah. Just get in the bag. Yeah. I recently had a similar situation, but I actually took uh, my deuce of spades that I have and I jammed that into some rocks and then had like the water trickle down that, you know, cause it's only touching dirt, right? It's fine. But I mean, I was making double use, so it worked. I love that. The deuce of spades and, and people, people who aren't hikers, they're, they're thinking, okay, what is the deuce of spades, first of all? And then you explain it to them. Well, the deuce of spades is the shovel you you use to dig your hole where you're going to poop. And then and they're thinking, you're, you're drinking off. You're trying to, water's coming off of the deuce of spades and you're going to drink that? And you're right. Yep. It only touches, if you do it the right way, it only touches dirt. I mean, you're not touching the poop with it. Yeah. And I'll get into a story about this a little bit later. But on that particular trip, I was guiding children. So the children were like, why do you have a shovel with you? And then I'm, you know, going into this whole thing. And I'm like, gosh, this isn't setting me up for success here as I'm filtering them water with this tiny little trowel. That's great. Getting them started early on the appropriate talk out there on the trail. You know, there's only three yeah. topics out there. There's, yep. there's bodily functions, there's food, and there's how much further. Yes. Are we there yet? How far? Mm -hmm. Yep. I kept just saying 20 minutes, 20 minutes. That's good. Yeah. Do you have a concept of what 20 minutes was? How old were these kids? <laughs> this particular group, uh, the youngest was 12. The oldest was 15. Okay. So, so probably knew what 20 minutes was. Yeah. They definitely know what 20 minutes was. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So how long are your guiding trips these days? I mean, when you're taking kids out there or other folks, uh, I know you're, you're a big, and we'll get into this a little bit later, but you are a, a big promoter of women out in, out, out in the wild. And you're doing a lot of uh, female uh, guiding out there. And so what kind of, how long are the trips and, and how big is your kit? How, how big is your pack? What's your base weight? Oof. Uh, the trips, most of the trips I ran this summer were four days, three nights, four days. Um, so not very long, but long enough, especially if it's an intro first time, um, that kind of thing. Uh, some of them were only two days. Most of my base weight. So I actually weighed one time before it's very dependent on how full everyone else's packs are because a lot of times, you know, a group effort. Uh, we're, we're all carrying fuel. We're all carrying, you know, we have bear cans and things like that. So, um, I would say that my base weight is, oh my gosh, probably sitting at like 26 pounds. It's heavy. And that's before I'm putting water and food and things like that in there. I mean, oftentimes I'm carrying two stoves, four cans of fuel, all of the water filters. I might hand off one to somebody else who's in the group. Um, a huge, I mean, my med kit is this big and shockingly, I had to use it so much this year that I was very glad that I had the big, huge med kit. So, yeah. Well, I guess if you're the big boss out there, if you're responsible for everybody, then that means you've got to carry a little bit extra just to make sure that everybody's going to be okay. Yes, definitely. But it's okay. It was a really awesome training, right? Um, that's what I'll chalk it up to. I think there's a saying with, with heavy responsibility comes heavy backpacks or something like that. I don't know. 
Yeah, that I mean, that checks out for sure, because yeah. a lot of my stuff and it, it even gets into times where I'm switching packs with people because there's isn't feeling good on their body. And I'm like, well, I have all the stuff. I feel bad for you. But here we go. Yeah, I try not to be responsible for anybody out there. And in fact, they get tired of me asking if I can use their toothbrush because I don't want to carry any extra weight. So, <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I love that. <laughs> all right. It's the hiking pole. The hiking pole. Did we have the hiking pole last time you were on? I think so, but I'm trying to recall exactly what the hiking pole is. Oh, I've shifted it up. So I know, I, I think when I, in the first iteration of the hiking pole, which is P-O-L-L, it's a seven mm -hmm. question survey to, to help me determine how crazy you are. Um, in the first iteration of that, it was strictly hiking related questions. I have, you know, with my repeat customers, um, especially I've said, you know what, I don't, I, we've talked about this already. I want to change things up a little bit. Let's wrestle with some big societal issues. Let's find out Ooh. where you fall on the big questions of life out there. And so okay. some of these questions we could, we could devote an entire episode to, but we're, I just want to get your fast take on it. And I want you to justify your answer. Are you ready okay. for this? Are you, are you nervous? You, you have no idea what the questions are. I'm ready. I have no idea. Okay. First question. Very important. Do you roll the toilet paper over or under? I do not care. Oh, a don't care person. I do not care at all. All I care about is that you don't leave it empty. Replace it ASAP. I am a not care kind of person. Okay. You know, some people will die on this hill. They have their preference one way or the other. I know. And I'm like, I'm also the person who can't taste the difference between Coca-Cola and Pepsi. Can't taste it at all. Don't have a preference. What? Yeah, it's weird. Have you been to a doctor? <laughs> Many times. I don't know. I maybe I'm just really go with the flow. I guess I don't know. You know, they ask you when you, when, when you first get in. They they come into the to, to the to the room and they say, "Do you have anything new you want to tell me? Is there anything any new symptom or something?" I want you to lead with, "Yes, I can't tell the difference between Coke or Pepsi." Is that <laughs> is that a, a common issue or you know what what's going on here? I yeah, you could put a blindfold on me and I couldn't tell the difference. Okay. All right. I'm not sure how to score that, but I'm going to, I'm going to write something down here. Hang on. Okay. Okay. All right. Next question. Question number two, cats or dogs? Oh, that's so tough. I have both. I'm going to say, oh, I'm going to say dogs because I love my dog, but I also love my cat. It's so hard. I love them both. It's like asking you to pick a favorite child, huh? I know, which my cat was my first child and my cat's name is Waffles. And then my dog came into my life through my partner. Is, and your, dog coincidentally, is your dog named Chicken? No, I wanted to name a cat Waffle or Chicken so it could be Chicken and Waffles, but her name waffles. is Maple. Yes. Oh, Maple. Um, okay. Yeah. That totally goes. I know, it totally goes. So I would say dogs just because I come across them more often and they're normally more friendly and want to cuddle with me, but my cat is the best cat. Okay, what kind of what kind of dog do you have, and what kind of cat? Um, Maple is a Labradoodle, and she's two. And then Waffles is a Persian cat, so he's a grumpy cat, forever grumpy, smooshed face. He is a hoot. He's so funny, and I shave him into this little lion cut, and he's so little. He's like six pounds, so and he's four. I think. He's got he's got an attitude. He does. He's got a big attitude. Okay, well, that, that, you two go together, I guess. Yep, yep, exactly. Do you, do you, do you have a strong? Do you have a strong attitude? 
Oh my gosh. Yes. So okay. sassy. Always. I, I think, I think I remember that from, from the first interview. So. Yes, I do. Very okay. strong, strong willed, strong opinions. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. Here, here's, I want to hear your opinion on the, on this next question is a hot dog, a sandwich. No, it's a hot dog. It's just a hot dog. It wouldn't be called a hot dog if it was a sandwich. I know that it goes in between two things, but you know, I just don't think that's like asking. I don't know. I just, I don't think so. Well, you know, sandwiches have names, you know, hoagie. They do. Philly cheesesteak. But it's like a hoagie sandwich, Philly cheesesteak sandwich. You wouldn't say a hot dog sandwich? Nope. Never. Would you? I have not. No, I, <laughs> I have not. There you what, go. That, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. What, what in your mind sets the hot dog apart from being a sandwich? What is the, what is the disqualifying factor of a hot dog? Um, well, it has a bun, which you wouldn't call a hamburger, a sandwich. And that's, and also a hot dog can be eaten by itself without the bun. And it's still a hot dog. So now are we going to start calling it hot dog with bun? Versus when you think of a hot dog, it just comes with the bun. Yeah. You know, ordinarily that'd be an automatic point deduction, but I like the way you explained it. So I think I'm just going to leave it as is. Nice. Cool. Okay. Very good. All right. Question four, Netflix or YouTube? I would say I've been going down a YouTube rabbit hole recently. I mean, I love some Netflix too. Gosh, they just have really catchy shows. You know, I'm really into the sci-fi kind of. Um, oh, me too. You know, fantasy kind of stuff, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, um, just watched. This isn't Netflix. It's called Wheel of Time on Prime. That was a really good one. But you know, I do go on, down YouTube. Put, put 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 a pin in that for a sec because Wheel of Time is based on a series of books. Yeah, there's 14 of them. I think there's more than 14. I think there's like really? 25 of them. There's a lot of them. Yeah. And well, I hope I, we have got, that many seasons. I got through I got through a number of them and then I just kind of it kind of petered out. But the first the first 10 or so that I read were just really, really good. So I'm I'm glad to hear that the Wheel of Time is a is a good series. I'm, i I want to it's on my list of things to watch. Yes. But I do like YouTube for the sake for the sake of um so like I'll give an example. I just showed my partner this uh, little mini documentary. I'll give a little plug here. It's called Dream Job by Katie Burrell. If you don't follow Katie Burrell or know who Katie Burrell is, she's hilarious. Go follow her. Um, but uh, she had this short documentary. I think it was one of her first that's on YouTube. It's about 15 minutes long and it's just really funny. Um, but it, as soon as that was over, it immediately started rolling into something else that was outdoorsy related. You know, I think it was about this couple climbing Lotse and you know, I love that YouTube can just kind of continuously have you fall down this path of, holy cow, I didn't even know that people do this. I didn't know this existed. And, you know, Netflix is a little bit more mainstream and you have to really get the, you know, get up there to get in Netflix. So I don't know. I would say they're tied in different ways. So you're going with a tie. You're not committing one way or the other. I'm not. Just like, just like the toilet paper. I take it back. I'm just going to go YouTube because I don't just Netflix. I can't Netflix how to, what did I just YouTube recently? I don't remember some, you know, I can't look up on Netflix how to, uh, how to how use to do a something. Of spades to filter. Exactly. Water. Exactly. Yeah. 
Uh-huh. I but I can look that up on YouTube. Most definitely. Yeah, if I have service. Okay. There you go. Question five. This is an important one. What is your most useful skill in the case of a zombie apocalypse? Mm. I would say that I stay fairly calm under pressure in, you know, multiple situations that I've experienced. So I would say that's a very useful skill for me Two, I have really strong legs. I feel like I could kick somebody pretty hard and they would not make it or I would outrun them or something. So that's my useful skill. It's funny because I've never ridden a horse in my entire life. And one of my friends was like, what are you going to do during a zombie apocalypse? You're going to need to ride a horse. And I'm like, I guess put it on my list of to do's, but they scare me. Horses are scary. That's an interesting take. I've never seen a lot of horseback riding in zombie apocalypse movies. I haven't either, but they were like, you know, there's not going to be, you're not going to be able to get to a gas station. You can't drive a car. It makes too much noise. You know, you just got to be able to like ride away on horse and I'm like, or hide somewhere and not ride the horse. I don't know. Okay. So it sounds like guiding skills. I mean, the fact that you stay calm under pressure. Yeah. And also that you have strong legs. I mean, that translates both into hiking uh, from hiking to, to zombie apocalypse. Yeah. I'm, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'll just start telling everybody that now. I'm training for the zombie apocalypse through guiding and hiking. Got it. All right. Question six, which is the better superpower, invisibility or flying? Flying for sure. You just don't yeah. like climbing up those mountains. No, I don't like climbing down them. <laughs> Give me up all day. You know, I just want to, or I think more so because, um, I work a typical nine to five. So I'm a weekend warrior kind of through and through or a long weekend warrior, right? It would be so nice to just get somewhere quick instead of driving nine hours to sleep at a trailhead, you know, to do something that I would rather fly. Okay. And you said something very interesting there because I totally agree with you that the uphill is better than the downhill. But for all of our novices listening in and, and thinking there couldn't be any, there can't be anything worse out there than, than just climbing uphill relentlessly. Why is uphill better than downhill? Well, I think there's this anticipation of, you know, oh, I have this goal and I'm trying to achieve it and I'm marching towards that. And for me, I also really just embrace the suck. I love a good workout and feeling that kind of grit and that pain that you're going through. And the, and the downhill, you're thinking, I've already reached my goal. We've already celebrated. And now I have this very long slog back to the car and not a whole lot to look forward to now, right? Other than going back home. So the up is better for me. State of mind is so, so important out there. I mean, it sets the tone for the entire trip. I think you're, you're exactly on point there, that the anticipation, looking forward to something, uh, that colors the way you you experience things. Exactly. And on top of that, I am very clumsy. So going down is much more difficult for me after I'm very tired. I mean, I use trekking poles, not necessarily because, you know, um, I can't climb up the mountain. I use them more for the down, for more points of contact. So I don't eat it down the trail. I mean... I am just not picking up my feet as much as I was on the way up. 
Yeah, I've heard a stat that 60 to 65% of mountaineering accidents happen on the way down. Yeah, that wouldn't shock me. Because of, of the tire, because you're tired. And also, I think because you think that, you know, you're out of the out of the woods. I mean, you you made it. You got to the top and now you're just going back. You, you've already done that. And so you might be a little a little more careless. Right. Yeah, you get a little sloppy. You're mm-hmm. tired. Your muscles are fatigued. You're right. just looking at the car versus looking at the rock in front of you. That's right. All right. Question seven. Last question in the hiking poll. If you had a time machine that could only travel in 100 year increments, would it be better to go 100 years in the past or 100 years in the future? I would say 100 years in the future, but only if I can bring one, only if people know that I'm doing that. And two, so that I could bring some sort of recording device. I think that in a hundred years, our planet is going to be in such a different state than what it is now. And I don't know what it's going to take for people to realize that, but I would 1000% go a hundred years in the future. If I could prove and showcase to folks, this is an issue. Yeah. Do you think it would have an impact? Because I think it's been pretty evident, you know, for decades, uh, what we're doing to the planet and nobody really seems to give a, a rat's ass. Yeah, I guess. Um, you know, I think if I could even have the smallest of impact and I don't know whether that's somebody even down to the person at the grocery store, not using plastic bags to pick up their produce or, uh, you know, just in the smallest of ways, if I could show some form of impact, like this is the true future. And if we don't change it, then this is what's going to happen. I mean, I'd be willing to take that risk. Yeah, it's pretty depressing. I console myself with the fact that I know that there are very smart people working on very difficult problems, and I'm hoping that uh, their intelligence prevails and can help the rest of us uh, dummies out. So, yeah, I hope so too. I think you know we're ever growing and ever learning, but the more we can educate ourselves and become aware is crucial. Yeah. Okay. So that that was the seven questions. I'm now going to do some math. And we're going to put you on a scale of one to a hundred with 100 being completely sane and one being completely crazy. Where do you think you're going to score? I think I'm going to score low because I answered tie on a lot of them or was it, I didn't have an opinion. So I feel like that automatically discounts me. What would you, how would your friends score you on that scale? If you just asked oh. them how crazy, how crazy is Pinecone? What, 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 what score would you give her? I mean, I think they would think I'm absolutely crazy. Okay. Well, let's yeah. see. Let's say I'm going to carry the three here. I got to divide by pi. I'm going to multiply by root five and I'm going to adjust in your case, I'm going to adjust for the amount of available oxygen at the summit of Mount Rainier in the Pacific mm. Northwest. And I, I come up with a, a 74. Look at that. 74. That's, that's solid. That is All a right. solid, solid C. That's a solid C, you know, mm-hmm. sounds a lot like my uh, high school career. So I'm here for it. Solid C for Cameron, if it was spelled the other way. If it was spelled the other way, yes. Cameron with yeah. a K. You're with a K. Cameron with a K. Cameron with a K and an R-I-N. Yeah. Cameron. Yeah. It's very mm-hmm. uh, exactly how it's spelled, which most people actually turn it around and they say Carmen. And I always joke that that's my alter ego and she will come out to play. if you, you know. People are still looking for Carmen. Where in the world is Carmen? Is Carmen San Diego? I don't know. There you go. There you go. Okay. All right. Hey, let's back up a little bit. Let's remind people uh, about your background, where you grew up, what kinds of sports and hobbies you were involved in, and how did you get involved in the outdoor adventure cult? Yeah. So I grew up 
in the Pacific Northwest for the most part. Um, I have lived in the Portland area actually for the last 13 years or so. 13, I think. Math is hard. Um, and prior to that, you know, some a little bit up in Washington. I did a stint in Alaska for a while, but really it's just been generally around the Pacific Northwest. As far as my hobbies go, I mean, even though I've lived here for a long time, my family really wasn't super outdoorsy. I mean, we went car camping and did that kind of spiel, but it was very much glamping. I mean, we had a tent trailer and things like that. I never went backpacking or anything. And I grew up playing kind of those typical sports, I guess, you know, volleyball, soccer. I was a cheerleader all through college, actually. So a lot of times when I meet people who maybe knew me through college or knew me late in high school, they're like, what? You do what now? And it's pretty, you know, surprising to them. Um, but it's been something that, you know, I think has been really cool to kind of come to life and fruition. I really only got into backpacking because I was uh, dating someone once that, you know, was pretty into outdoorsy stuff. And that's right. I, yep, I yeah, yep. yeah. I kind of um, was after we split, I was like, you know, is this something I want to do? And I felt very, um, you know, put down by a lot of that experience. Very, I was told a lot, you know, you're a scaredy cat or, you know, why don't you suck it up? It's fine. We're fine. And it, it very much was in a lot of situations where you're not fine. And so I was tired of relying on somebody else to kind of bring me outside or teach, you know, teach me how to do things. I wanted to know for myself. I wanted to know how to, you know, know I was safe somewhere without having to rely on anybody. So yeah, that's kind of where my love for backpacking began. Um, actually, my very first backpacking trip ever was summiting Mount Adams, which is kind of a crazy one to intro to. I mean, you have to carry off your poop. So it was like, welcome to backpacking, I guess, uh, projected wilderness. So, but that was really like, it felt very cool. You know, I, I definitely get inspired and I am so fueled by other people feeling like I can't do something. And so it really just kind of makes me want to say, Oh, prove you wrong. Or like, let me bring you along and show you how we can do it. Kind of thing. So yeah, that's where it all began. I suppose. Feels like okay. yesterday. Now you mentioned you were a cheerleader, college cheerleader. Yeah. Uh, what, what, and there's, there's many different positions for those who are novices to the, the world of, of athletic cheerleading. There are some, there are some different positions there. There's base, there's flyer. What, what, uh, where did you fall in the, the scheme? Yeah, I was mostly a back base. So mm -hmm. you can't tell by this YouTube video, but I'm five, nine, which is very tall for a cheerleader. I mean, most of the time I was the tallest person on my team and cheerleaders are typically very small, petite humans, um, which I think we're breaking out of that norm now, which is really, really cool. But I was mostly a back pace. I think that's also where my kind of spunk and spark for, you know, let me prove you wrong kind of started coming into play. I mean, when I would see guys just lifting, you know, girls by themselves, I was like, how can I do that? You know, if I can't be a flyer and be this tiny human going up in the air, how can I lift those people by myself? So I was primarily back base in college. I was also a middle. So there, you know, sometimes, um, but there's three layers in, in college. Uh, so sometimes I would be in the middle, you know, holding somebody else up or something. Three layers. That's yeah. crazy. And you know, you know, Pinecone, I'm always on the lookout for a good episode title. 
from uh, things we talk about during the episode. And I think Spunk and Spark, that might that might be the title of this episode. That, that has, has a catchiness to it. I love it. Let's do it. Yeah. Spunk and one. Spark with Pinecone. Hey, as a base, did you ever catch a, a heel or a shoulder off the chin? Every day. Elbows. Oh. Mostly elbows. Elbows were my nemesis. I mean to the chin, to the nose, to the side of the eye, to my arms. I mean, just so many caught feet, caught, have things like slide right down. Cheerleading is dangerous. It is very dangerous. And you're not wearing any sort of pads. If anything, you're wearing like very minimal items at all. And let alone any that protect you. I mean, shoulder burn from shoes, literally stepping on you. I mean, it's just gnarly. I've never had more injuries than I had during cheerleading. It's a good, good advertisement right there. Some nice marketing for cheerleading, becoming a cheerleader. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Even if I had, you know, a child today, I don't know if I'd ever encourage them to be a cheerleader, a gymnast, maybe. Um, I haven't been in that world as much, but, uh, you know, tumbling is very cool. Gives you a lot of body control. Okay. Now you mentioned you have a nine to five. What do you, what are you doing these days to pay the bills? Yeah. So I um, am a UX researcher. I've actually pivoted a bit since we last talked. So prior we talked, I was um, doing uh, UX design for Columbia Sportswear, but now I have made a little bit of a career change and I'm working for um, a smaller startup. One of the reasons being I was looking to, you know, grow as a human. I was kind of tapped out on designing stuff, but two, it allows me to work fully remote. So huge win there. I mean, um, I can, yeah, I can work anywhere, right. Who doesn't want to work anywhere. And just with the kind of lifestyle, I think that we live, it's so crucial to be able to kind of go out and explore. Okay. And explain it again. What is it you do? Yeah. So UX research, um, UX stands for user experience or technically I'm also XD, so experience design research, but in the simplest of terms, you know, we're looking at existing products. And so say, I'll give Columbia as an example. If you are trying to enter in your credit card information to purchase this jacket and you're like, gosh, I'm running into these errors. Why isn't it accepting my card? Um, all of a sudden it kicked me out. What's going on? We're the people who are coming in and identifying you know, those pain points and saying, oh my gosh, this is a problem. It's happening across multiple different you know, platforms, people. Let me, you know, conduct some interviews. Let me look at data. Let me do all of this to kind of uh, come up with a solution to present to, you know, folks to be able to design something in the future and improve that, right? So I'm sure you think about how your software develops constantly and how you're like, wow, that makes sense. It's very intuitive. You know, that's, that's our job, making sure it's intuitive, making sure it makes sense to the customer, making sure you actually want it. I mean, how many people were really upset when, they took away the home button on the iPhone. They were like, why would you do this? This sucks. They hate change, but you got used to it really quickly. So risk versus reward, nerdy stuff. I sit in front of a computer all day. Super fun. Lots of spunk and spark in that explanation there. Very good. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot. All right. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get to uh, what Pinecone has been up to since December 4th, 2021, which is the last time we talked to her. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. 
Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water. Using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Six Moon Designs has been innovating ultralight backpacking gear for the past 20 years. With a wide range of products ranging from ultralight shelters to backpacks and accessories like their extensive line of trekking umbrellas, Six Moon Designs is sure to have a great piece of gear for your needs. With the company philosophy being that gear should aid one's experience, not define it, Six Moon Designs thinks the more time people spend outside the natural world, the better off this world will be. And remember, go wild, live young. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your podcast to Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. And welcome back. We are talking to Pinecone, Cameron Peterson. And last time you were on, Cameron, it was it was season three, episode 17. So any of those people out there who are really enjoying this episode and want to hear more about, about Cameron, you can go back into the back catalog of the John Freaky Mirror Pod, season three, episode 17, December 4th, 2021, and hear some more about her. But what have you been up to since December 4th? Any big major? I know. You, I know you kind of changed jobs uh, a little bit there. You're not. You're now. You're now able to work uh, remote. But what other big changes have taken place? Yes, I. The biggest change I think from last year to this year is that I've no longer been prioritizing my personal backpacking, hiking, adventuring trips as much as I have guiding. So this year I have really dove headfirst into guiding and made that a priority, whether it's taking off work or education wise, um, you know, doing workshops, clinics, things like that, so that I can have my education. That's probably the biggest change. And, you know, on top of the fact that I really want to promote women getting outside and, and all of that, it really is, it's there. So that's probably the biggest change that has happened since then. Um, also just bought a home in Bend. So very excited to move there. If anybody's listening to this and lives in Bend, let's be friends. Yeah. I don't know anybody. So we should uh, hang out and how started rock climbing Bend, a lot too. How far is Bend from where you are right now? A three and a half hours maybe, which doesn't seem that far, but 
it's just far enough. Again, I've been in Portland for so long. Bend is just um, much closer to proximity wise to a lot of the things that I enjoy doing. So whether it's skinning up a mountain in the snow before work and, you know, getting a couple laps in and being at my desk or mountain biking, I really love mountain biking and the trails there are amazing. Uh, yeah. If anybody's been to Bend, they could tell you. Bend's okay. Awesome. So it wasn't a job in that particular location or it wasn't family in that particular location. It was, this is closer to all my play areas that I want to, I want to be in. Yeah. And I think that anybody can probably relate to this, that absolutely. once you have been in your place for long enough, you don't want to do that hike that's 30 minutes away again, because you've been doing it for how long. So you just, you're ready for something new. And I think last year I had been telling myself for so long that I'm going to move, I'm going to go do something and I'm going to branch out and be closer to things I love. And now I'm doing it. So. And I think you referenced earlier in, in the first segment, you mentioned a partner, a new, is this yeah. a new, new partner? Yeah. New partner. Um, his name is Alex. He's absolutely wonderful. And he uh, very much has a lot of the same common interests, things that I love to do, which is awesome. We actually met in the wild. You could say, I wouldn't say literally is it on a trail, but we met totally by happenstance and related to something outdoors. So that was very cool. Um, and yeah, he's super supportive of all of the adventures. I mean, I'm a, when we met and he said, Oh, do you want to go do something this summer? And I said, Oh, my next weekend free is October 3rd. <laughs> FYI. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, yes, but how about on a Wednesday? Are you free on Wednesday? Um, so yeah, he's just really supportive of everything that I do. And, you know, is my biggest cheerleader, which is cool. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen some pretty mushy posts on Instagram the last uh, last few weeks. Yeah, I know. He's just, you know, he's one. I mean, I just turned thirty this year. Big year for me. Whew, getting old. Um, my bones are oh, feeling please, it. Please, please. <laughs> I, rem- I remember thirty. That that was a, that was a couple decades ago. That was a nice that was a nice age. I know, but I mean, I just I'm, I'm just feeling old. But um, I just turned thirty and you know, the day before my birth, no, sorry, the day of my birthday, we were at a concert with a bunch of our friends and he handed me a card and I had just quit my job. So I had two weeks off of work and he was like, we're leaving for Costa Rica tomorrow. FYI. And I was like, holy cow, this is my person. You know, this is, this is the kind of stuff that I like, like, yeah, let's go fly to Costa Rica, do all this hiking, go see beautiful, you know, wildlife and do just be nomads. Yep. I'm into it. Nice. So, you weren't, you weren't going to say something about your neck were you, I saw you got kind of like playing with your neck there no. as you said you turned 30. No, okay. no I was I just thought... like, Oh, 30. Okay. All right. I kind of, I kind of no. cut you off as you were talking. I was going to, I was going to tell you, you are, you are much too young to be worrying about how old you are. So <laughs> no, I just, if anything, I'm like, gosh, I feel like in a way, I feel like I should have so much more accomplished, I guess, due to societal pressures and all of that. But in the opposite end, I'm like, gosh, 30 is so cool to be at the place of, in life where I'm at. So equally grateful, equally feeling old. That's And my feet hurt when I get out of it. That is interesting because there, there are definitely societal pressures and expectations about, you know, what you should be doing, uh, what you should have accomplished by a certain age. And, you know, a lot of the people I talk to have 
you know, looked that square in the face and said, I don't agree. I'm going to do, I'm going to do what I feel is calling to me. And mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to be happy with that. But uh, there is that expectation out there that you have to kind of buck tradition to do the kinds of things that you want to do. Right. And I think part of this pressure comes from society. I also have a big family. I have five brothers and a sister. A lot of them are already married. I have nine nieces and nephews. I mean, they all have had, and they're all very close in age to me. So it's kind of this pressure of, you know, I was at my parents' house the other day and I'm looking at their mantle and there's pictures of all of their families. And then there's me hiking. There's literally just a single photo of me hiking. And I'm like, this is, yeah, this is our family. That's my life. I mean, but I also think that it's such a beauty because you can show people that you don't have to do these things, you know, that society is putting pressure on you. I mean, even speaking of my partner, how wonderful he is. I was really hesitant to take on a guiding trip coming up here soon. I just started this new job. I have to take off almost an entire week of work. I was like, gosh, I don't think I want to do that. And he looked at me and was like, Cameron, are you following your passions? Or are you climbing corporate ladders? Come on. What's important to you here? And I was like, thank you for bringing me back down to earth and making me realize like, yes, don't get me wrong. I, I very much care about my job, but also I don't have to keep doing this societal thing of, you know, get the better job, get the better car, get the better house to live this life. I, I want to be following my passions. And if that's what 30 means, then heck yeah, I'm here for it. Sounds like Alex is very in tune with you and who you are. I mean, for him to make that comment, it just, it really feels like it hits the sweet spot there. Totally. Yeah. And I think, again, that's, that's like the best part about having someone, you know, I'm, I'm sure that um, any through hiker can kind of relate to this where when you think about putting priority around doing a long through hike or even, you know, just saying, Hey, I want to go take off for a month to go do this. Or even if it's just going out for weekend hikes with your friends, I mean, having a partner who's really supportive of the adventures that you want to do. And, you know, I think that some people it's really tough for them to even fathom leaving their partner at home for three weeks to go do a trail. They're like, Oh my gosh, I could never put that on my partner. And I think the wonderful thing about us is that neither of us are putting that on each other, right? That's part of being a really good partner is supporting their dreams. Sure. Sometimes you want to come along with those dreams, right? But particularly for a lot of the guiding stuff that I'm doing with women, I mean, that's something that I got to fly solo on. So it's just really cool having a partner who's very um, in line with goals and seeing where I'm trying to reach towards and helping me get there. Great. Now let's, let's talk about those guiding trips. Yeah. Uh, What, what types of guiding trips do you do or have you done? Yes. So the company that I work for, um, and guide with professionally. So I've done some guiding by myself, whether mostly for, um, you know, women, whether it's day hikes or backpacking trips, but for another company I work for, we do anything from, you know, moonlight snowshoe tours. Um, I've been shadowing this year to, um, intro to backcountry splitboarding, uh, in skiing. So I'm a splitboarder and, um, have my certifications to do that. I'm shadowing because it's, I mean, avalanche safety and avalanche travel, especially with other people who don't have that education and knowledge is no joke, right? Um, very, 
uh, dangerous sport. So it's something that's fascinating to me. And also there's not typically the ratio that they get um, of split borders to skiers. It used to be way more backcountry skiers coming out for these courses. And now we're kind of getting this equal result. And my company didn't have anybody who was splitboarding. So they were like, would you like to start shadowing these? And I said, heck yeah, especially because a lot of times it was, um, you know, maybe five guys and one female. So it's like, I'd rather, you know, be there to support that. So we do those also winter Alpine skills. Um, that includes going up. Typically it's on Mount St. Helens. We winter camp for a few days. We're learning things, you know, such as uh, crampons, ice axe, how to travel uphill in steep snow, self-arresting, really kind of those basic pieces on top of how to dig out a proper platform, snow anchors. Um, sometimes we've even gotten into crevasse rescue basics, things like that. So those trips as well. And then tons of backpacking. Our most popular ones are backpacking along the PCT. So we'll do, you know, sections of the PCT typically on Mount Hood and those are a few days long. Some of them, um, so I'm getting ready to guide in the Grand Canyon. I'll do a rim to rim to rim, which will be fun. I can't wait. Uh, <laughs> I truly can't wait, but I'm more like, oh, it's going to be a lot on my feet, especially guiding. I mean, I think that was the biggest thing that guiding taught me this year was sure. I can do, you know, 16 to 18 mile days. Can I do 16 to 18 mile days while carrying a bunch of extra stuff? being really nice to everyone else, sharing all of my snacks and being on, right? Like being like cheerful and on uh, stuff. So yeah. you brought that up twice. So I, I think I know what the most challenging part of that is. You said being really nice to everyone and then you know being on, being really cheerful. You know, it's, it's when, when you're doing those long days and, and you're not guiding, you're just, you're out there with a couple of friends or whatever. It's okay to be in whatever mood you want to be in, but mm -hmm. uh, being cheerful and being helpful and pleasant and on, that seems like just from the way you described it and the look on your face and the tone of your voice, pine cone, that sounds like it's going to be the tough part. It is tough. Um, but it's, it's a good kind of tough. I, you know, was mentioning to my partner that the Grand Canyon trip, one of the things I'm most excited about is can I push my body to doing a 24-mile day with a lot of people and be on and be really uncomfortable, but be comfortable around these folks, you know? Um, I've never been in a situation yet where I'm uh, feeling in danger necessarily, but there are moments where I'm worried about, are we going to get the tent, tent spot that has the really pretty view that has the, you know, whatever, like I get a little anxious. And if people are moving kind of slow, I'm like, Ooh, come on, we gotta pick it up. And how can I do that in a nice way? Or sometimes when I was guiding those kids, especially, I mean, I, it can become a safety hazard, you know, if they're moving too slow or their kids can't really regulate how much water they need to drink over the next three hours and, you know, 1,200 feet of elevation gain and how, you know, that, that kind of stuff. So it's just a lot of like being on being cheerful, being nice. But I think that's again, where kind of my strength comes in of I'm pretty calm in stressful situations. And most of the time I'm pretty cheerful, but I mean, come day four, I'm like, okay, I'm ready to, you know, move, move along most times. Yeah. 
right? Do you have any any interesting stories from guiding? Any type two fun out there that uh, you look back on now and boy, you you weren't necessarily excited when it was going on, but but it's a it sure is a good story. Oh yeah, type two fun for sure. Summoning Mount Adams with a group of twelve to fifteen year old kids. That was an interesting story, and. I mean, just for those of you who don't know, Mount Adams, um, to get from parking lot uh, to summit, I think it's six miles or so, but it's almost 7,000 feet of elevation gain. So it's steep. And it's, you know, some of those areas are a little bit flatter, but like some of those areas, I mean, you're just like leaning into the side of the mountain. It's not, it's no joke. So doing it with children who, you know, these are pretty badass kids, but still tough. And I'm still having to regulate, you know, are you the biggest thing for me was like, are you putting on sunscreen? Are you drinking enough water? Are you eating enough snacks? Are you fueling your body? And it's kind of this new level with, with adults. I can be like, you're an adult, you know, yourself, you know, your body, you know, when you're hurting with kids, it's like, they'll say I'm tired or I can't go on. And I'm like, but really like, can you really go on? You know, it gets a little sketchy and Um, you know, particularly there was an area where we're, so when you summit Mount Adams, you can either do it in one day or you can camp at a place called lunch counter, which is kind of the halfway mark getting up to lunch counter. It's a little over three miles should take you three hours, maybe four at the max, just because of elevation gain. And we were at like almost seven hours at this point. And I'm putting snow in my CNOC bag to try to melt it because, you know, we need to get these kids some more water. I finally hear, you know, this trickle of water that's coming underneath, you know, the hot rocks from the day. And I'm like, stop everything. Everybody sit down right here. And I'm like digging out. And I filtered 18 Nalgene's worth of water (laughs) in that very moment, just because I'm like trying to get this tiny trickle of a stream. Um, that was definitely a type two moment where I was like, am I cut out for this? I'm seeing, you know, my entire guiding life flash before my eyes and saying, is this worth it? But um, also on that, you know, we made a really good safety plan. I had very uh, hard lines of, you know, the next day when we were making a summit attempt, I said, if we do not hit this summit by 1.30 in the afternoon, we're turning around. I don't care if I can see it. I don't care if we're super close, like this is the part where we talk about summit fever and all of that. And we made it, you know, spoiler alert, but as we're (laughs) approaching the summit, all of the people on the summit, there was a ton of adults up there clapping for these kids. And these kids were like, I'm on top of the world. Like I'm getting goosebumps right now. They were like, I, this is the best moment I've ever had my life. Look at it. I'm look at all these mountains I can see around me. I want to do this forever. Like I created that. You know, like I helped foster this really beautiful moment for them that, I mean, all of these kids were so cool and they could totally go on to climb Mount Everest someday. I mean, I hope that's what guiding is about for me is bringing out those moments, um, even though there's a lot of suffer along the way and potentially scary things. But um, that's what I do it for. I mean, those moments where I think, especially on the women's trips, uh, sometimes they turn into almost like just chatty therapy sessions in a way, you know, you get to know all of these women who you've never met in your life before and you're with them for four days. I mean, I've talked to them about all kinds of things and it's just very eye opening of all of these people coming together 
that maybe would have never met in real life because they have different, you know, politics differences or religious beliefs or things like that. But out on the trail, we're all just kind of one and we're all interested in the same thing. So yeah, a lot of spicy, fun moments. A couple of follow-up questions for you. One, yeah. one, maybe, maybe it's not a question. Maybe it's just an observation on my part. And that is, I think that you have, you, you're out there setting hooks. You're, you're getting people hooked on the outdoors. You, you, you're taking them out there. You're exposing them to this. You've got people applauding them as they get to the top. I, I think there are, there are several of those kids that are going to be doing this for a long time. I hope so. That was a very cool experience. Cause I mean, grown adults can't even do that mountain. Sometimes it's, it's a tough slog. And so it was just such a special moment for all of them. And they were so thankful. They're so grateful. And they had such a good time. Luckily, nobody got hurt on the way down. Thank goodness. But, you know, yeah, it was such a good time. And there also is is this phenomenon to overshare, to overcommunicate, to, to talk to people that you barely know out on the trail that, you know, you feel bonded to because you're going through the mm-hmm. same experience. You have the same interests. Uh, you know, I, I talk to people who they, they meet people on the trail on, on a 2,500 mile trail, they meet somebody on the second day and they're pouring out deep, deep, dark secrets, uh, about their lives. And so you mentioned that you and the ladies were, were sharing some, some stories and I, I'm wondering, are there any times where someone has overshared with you? I don't know about overshare. I've had some moments where I've had, maybe people are sharing their opinions or thoughts that don't necessarily, you know, because part of me being a guide is I welcome everybody and anybody to come on those trips. There is no, I have, you know, it's a very inclusive space. And there's moments sometimes where people's opinions or thoughts or beliefs will come out that maybe are not necessarily in line with mine. And that doesn't mean that I'm, you know, thinking terribly of them or something, but it's interesting to me because sometimes I'm like, did I come off in a way thinking that you would think I believe that or that I agree with that or that I, you know, I, you know, and I'll just throw it out there, maybe some things around like LGBTQ rights, sometimes things like that get brought up. And, you know, I am not super open about my um, fluidity there. And, you know, people don't always know that either. I mean, and so I think uh, sometimes those comments around that can be made. You know, again, I never take any of them personal towards me or anything like that. But yeah, there's definitely some moments where people overshare some stuff. And I'm like, ooh. You know, it's one thing though, if they're, I've never had a situation where I feel like all of my clients don't feel comfortable. Like somebody's talking about something and other people don't feel comfortable. Um, yeah. It's a roundabout way of saying it. Right. Okay. And so if, if somebody, if, if Karen makes an insensitive comment out there, you don't, you don't, uh, you, you remain the consummate professional. You don't hide her deuce of spades. I do not hide her do some spades. No, absolutely not. But, you know, I mean, I think it would depend on the level. I've never, again, had a situation. If there came a situation where somebody kept making comments that was potentially making somebody feel uncomfortable, I would absolutely pull them aside and say, hey, you know, I just want to let you know. Now, whether it's towards me, um, I, I don't think I would do that unless it was like blatantly insensitive to other folks too. But if they were like, Cameron, I hate your shorts, your hair sucks 
and you know, your shoes are the worst. I'd be like, okay, you can heat your own water tonight, Karen. I'm not filtering it for you (laughs) or, you know, I probably wouldn't, but you know what I mean? Like most people are out there. Good time, positive attitudes. I haven't had any bad situations out there yet. Yeah. You say, guess what? I just gave you a trail name, Karen. (laughs) That's a good one. (laughs) I should use that. That would be pretty funny. I like that. All right. Well, Hey, what, what's next for Pinecone? What's next for me? So a lot more guiding. I just mentioned I'm guiding in the Grand Canyon mm-hmm. the next couple of weeks. Um, very excited about that. I'm moving to Bend. So I feel like this is opening up some doors for me to really expand the things I do in the outdoors, whether it's even just starting cross-country skiing. I mean, Bend has an outdoor climbing mecca. I've recently started rock climbing, so I'm very excited to rock climb outside. Alex and I were just talking about short-term goals. What does that look like? Unfortunately, he just tore his bicep when we were rock climbing a couple weeks ago. Yeah. That sounds painful. It's very painful. Um, I feel so bad for him. He just had surgery last week. So, you know, kind of some of our short-term goals in the sense of like, we were just supposed to do the Timberline Trail, which is, you know, around uh, Mount Hood things like that. Those are a bit on hold, but you know, next summer, I think we're going to really set some good. It just, it just kind of depends. I mean, do I want to, again, continue prioritizing guiding or prioritizing my own goals? I think a really good next for Cameron that's easy and achievable would be something like the Wonderland Trail, which is 93 miles around Mount Rainier. Um, But as far as a bigger, longer one, I mean, I think Alex's dream is for me to quit my job and do the PCT, which is so funny that that's his dream and not mine necessarily, but maybe someday. I just hope it's there for a while longer because it's burning. So, Yeah, yeah. it is awful dry in the state of California these days with the the current heat wave we're experiencing. And I know that there is a storm moving in, a hurricane coming up. I think for the first time in 25 years, it's going to impact Southern California and uh, just hate the idea of a lightning strike uh, setting off all that that uh, dry brush down there. So right, it's too many fires going on these days. Uh, it's really impacting yeah. people's ability to complete the trail, the PCT. Yeah, I think the uh, very north end of the PCT is closed right now. The last twenty miles of it, how heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Now, if you and Alex do do the PCT, you have to let me know. So I can do some trail magic in uh, Acton Agua Dulce, uh, which yeah. is pretty close to me. So, Absolutely. If anything, I think we'll probably hit some sections first, but um, that would be pretty amazing. Always welcome trail magic. Okay. Hey, Pinecone, you know where we are? Uh, where are we? The Pro Tip Insight of the Week. That's right, Hello. Half Calf. It's time for the pro tip inside of the week. This is where Pinecone is going to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. What do you have for us? Um, well, obviously the deuce, deuce of spades. Uh, I feel like that is a pro tip of using that to help uh, make a better stream. Um, I Okay, so this is also a pro trip pro tip that I had to do in the snow. If you're camping in the snow at all and having some troubles making water, or in my case, I hate melting snow. It's very time consuming, waste a lot of fuel, that kind of thing. If you're on a mountain that's warmer, I took my rain fly off of my tent 
and put a bunch of snow in it and then took some of the hot rocks that were there and put them on top of the snow. And it made like four gallons of water in a pretty short amount of time. It was like an hour and a half. And I mean, four gallons of water, heck yeah, versus me burning through a bunch of fuel to get. No, I think that's a good project. That is, that's outstanding. And we've talked a lot about, about you guiding for a particular company. If people wanted mm-hmm. to to guide to to be on a guided trip with you, I mean, what company are we talking about? Are you able to throw that out there, or how 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 can they get in touch with you to set up an experience? Yeah, it's called Rare Earth Adventures, R E A. Um, they're based out of uh, Troutdale, which is just right by Mount Hood. Um, but we do trips all over. Again, I'm doing one in the Grand Canyon for them. So depending on the company, depending on the location, permits, things like that, we do all kinds of private stuff. But we also do tons of stuff throughout the winter and for next year. So I know a lot of those dates are already open. Nice. So there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Pinecone. Want to thank her for joining us, joining us this week. Cameron, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? Yep. Instagram, still just Instagram. I don't have a website yet, uh, but my Instagram is at Cameron Kaylee, K-A-M-R-I-N-K-A-Y-L-E-E. That's where you can keep up with me. Start. They both start with a K and they both have unusual atypical spellings. Yep. I know. My parents just really wanted me to never have a personalized magnet. <laughs> and All what, my what siblings you- had one. I was going to say, what are your siblings' names? Oh my God. Ashley, Brandon, Rick, Alex. I do have a brother named Alex, uh, Spencer, Lance. They're all so normal. And then all spelled, all spelled pretty appropriately. Yes. As you, as you would expect. Yes. And with you, they just had to, they had to go different. I guess. I, yeah. Yep. They are you really the oldest or the youngest or somewhere in the middle? Smack in the middle. <laughs> Interesting. They just knew I was going to be the really cool one with the cool name and the cool outdoorsy stuff. Now, was it Jeff that I was talking to about this? I think it was Jeff Garmar was just on. uh, I talked to him less than a week ago about just, just broke the F just set the FKT for the JMT. If you saw that. Oh, just over three days. Insane. Insane. I can't remember if I talked to him about this or if it was Carl Stanfield, uh, professor, uh, about how y- you could name your kids. Some people name their kids with the intent of them living up to their names. I think it was I think it was Jeff. We we're talking about because we we're talking about legend, and okay, uh, and so may- maybe maybe they just they you know they they wanted you to be a little different, and so they they named you a little different. Let's go with that. Yeah, okay. maybe. And now I'm just thinking about all of the kids whose names are Chad. And I'm like, all of those folks who have to live up to Chad or Karen. Is that for them? <laughs> is Chad the male form of Karen? I feel like Chad is just, you know, he's just a Chad. He's just ask your son, <laughs> who's a Chad? I don't know. All right. Hey, remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. No TikTok yet for Pinecone? No TikTok. I don't think I'm going to hop on the train. I mean, I got enough social media. Okay. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakymere at gmail.com. The Adventure Media Recommendation. 
Cameron, I'm also looking to you to share a recommendation for a book, a movie, a documentary, website, some kind of outdoor adventure media to keep our listeners connected to the trails. We're calling this our adventure media recommendation. What do you have for us? Yes, um, adventure media recommendation. One, if you haven't read Out Here by Carolyn Highland, go read it. So good. Wilderness essays that kind of connect real life and how they relate. Phenomenal. Two, Nowhere for Very Long by Brianna Media. That one was a really good one for me um, to read. It just helped, especially now that I'm buying a house and doing all of these things, it kind of helped bring me back to my roots and, you know, what's important to me. What am I passionate about and how can I keep following those dreams? That was a good one. Um, really good documentary uh, called, oh gosh, Deeper. I just watched this. Oh no, I'm so sad. Okay, I'm going to have to look it up. Um, but uh, A Deeper Dive, that's what it's called. I think a Deeper Dive, Mountain Revelations. Yes, that's what it is. Mountain Revelations, Rafa Pease, Jeremy Jones, Ryan Hudson. Really awesome documentary. I think uh, Teton Gravity is the one who hosts it. Um, really brings together inclusivity and you know the snowboarding outdoor space how we can be more inclusive out there. And also just a lot around like stop buying new clothes if you don't need them. And, you know, you can reuse the same hiking shirt the next year if, or donate yours to somebody else. I mean, that documentary truly opened me up to like, I was like, why do I have three snowboards? I should give one of these to somebody who can't afford to buy one. Um, Recycle those clothes. I mean, I think the outdoor industry in general is so, newest color, newest fad, that kind of thing. When really this gear lasts you for a long time. So if you got extra boots, pants, jackets, you know, whatever, a tent that maybe doesn't work for you anymore, but will work for a friend, donate it to them. You know, it's just so crucial to reuse that gear and help somebody else get outside who maybe doesn't have the money or accessibility to. Well said, you rattled off like three of those, three adventure pieces of adventure media. So those are, those are great. Thank you. Yeah. What have we not asked you? All right. We've got the technology working again there. Before we wrap things up, just one more segment for you called, what have I not asked you that you're dying to tell us about? What what did we miss tonight? The only thing that I would say I haven't talked about is a new food brand that I found this year that I am obsessed with. So um, particularly, and I'm so sorry, my AirPods died. Uh, now that I have the, um, food that I put in my body is just kind of, it's important, right? I mean, I think we're all used to that hiker trash diet of pop tarts and ramen and, you know, sour gummies, which I still bring, don't get me wrong. But, you know, if I have dehydrated meals out there, what am I eating? That's going to be good for my body. And, I found this company called Wild Zora. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of them. They are a little bit more on the expensive side, but if you go to Sierra Trading Company, you can typically find them at a bit of a discount. Way better for just digestion, sodium amount. I mean, it's just way better. A lot of protein. It's really hard to find good protein on the trail. And those meals are really just like straight up dehydrated meals. So And I say dehydrated meals in the sense of like not a lot of additives. I can read every ingredient on the back 
They're awesome. I cannot recommend them enough. The curry flavor is really good. Okay. One more time. The name of that uh, company? Wild Zora. Z-O-R-A or two R's? Z-O-R-A. Okay. Wild Zora. There you go. Well, that is a wrap from the John Freaking Mirror studio. Any shout outs to friends and family, Pinecone? No, shout out to Spreadsheet still, my wonderful hiking partner that moved to Poland, Lucky Duck. Um, super, uh, if you don't follow Sierra somewhere, she's a rad girl. So go follow her. And then, you know, shout out to Legend for getting me into all of this and being super supportive. Uh, he's a really awesome guy to follow. Okay. Thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if it's taking you seven hours to get to the lunch counter. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck. Bye.